Well, hello. Um, welcome to Beyond the Weight with Henny and Sandy, episode 218. Except today it's not Henny and Sandy because Sandy is gallivanting. She is uh, currently in Africa somewhere doing all sorts of uh, wild and adventurous things. And so, but we couldn't get our act together well enough to record something ahead of time. So I had to bring in the ringer. And I brought back my best friend, Tim. He's here with us today to, to chat with me about um, a couple of different articles that uh, that he actually came across and shared with me. Uh, and just to, I don't know. We will see. Chat a little bit about weight and health and losing weight and gaining weight and all of those things. <laughs> so today it is Beyond the Weight with Henny and Tim. It is. But you're still first. Always. Well, oh, alphabetically. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Not, oh, that's the reason. All right. Not an importance. <laughs> so, okay. Um, a long time ago, like I don't know, a year ago. When when were you on the podcast as a guest? Well, I, I'm I'm not sure. It feels like it's been a year, but I'm pretty sure. That when I was on Skype, when I was, you know, re-downloading it, making sure everything was updated and ready okay. to go, it said 2021. Oh, so it's Is been that possible? Least, well, a year and a half, maybe. Maybe. So it it's been a like long been... time. So if you have been a long-time listener of Beyond the Weight, thank you very much. And you've probably heard Tim's voice before. If you haven't, uh, you know, I'm very excited to be able to do this with you today. So maybe, Tim, do you want to give like a like brief, um, I don't know, brief, like not introduction, but like comment as to how we know each other or why you're interested in talking to me on Beyond the Weight? Sure. Well, we met many moons ago. Many, many moons ago. At, at Disney yeah. when you were not... In the market for friends. <laughs> Correct. And I creeped you out by telling you in the Mouseketeria that I loved you. Oh my goodness. I don't know <laughs> why, because it's not something I would typically say, but clearly, well, it's it's like Sandy. We gravitate towards you and we don't let go and you have no choice but to stick around. I almost forgot about the Mouseketeria. The Mouseketeria is, <laughs> it's the staff cafeteria at the Magic Kingdom. And, underground. Yeah, and it's un of course it's underground because underneath the Magic Kingdom is a whole tunnel system where all of the like backstage action happens, I guess. Except it's really understage, I guess. Um, Correct. But you know, and everything has a cutesy name and a and a dis a disnified name. So the Mouseketeria, yeah. I think because because we'd been. So we were working at the same job, like we were hired to work at the same job location. And so we were training at the same time, but we weren't in the same training group. Correct. So we must've been having lunch at the same time, but, but like, we didn't really know each other. Yeah, we were, I think we were in like, if I remember correctly, we were, we were in different groups for sure, but we were all going out around the same time. So I think, yeah. and weren't the trainers like, Obviously, they worked together and they were friends. And so the I trainers, think they kind of yeah, coordinated yeah. for us to do it together. They were probably having lunch by themselves, you know, and we were having – we were kind of grouping together having as well. Lunch. yeah. But it was still lucky that we – as you know, we met on the bus and then we met again at the Mouseketeria. And, yeah, it, it's funny because, yeah, we worked together, but it is – it was kind of lucky that we ended up being together so often. Mm. But again, right that's – Like right from the get-go, right? Like yeah. we, we sort – we – we had serendipitous moments yeah. where we we ended up together even before the sh the shift started, right? Yeah, but it, but it is my fault that we. It is I was fault. always clinging on. I was <laughs> always is, trying to be your friend. It is your fault that we are friends. That's true. Because <laughs> I had other people that I was hanging out with, and you had other people. In fact, there were, as you know, there were people in Disney that I was closer to, and people you were closer to, and but we always, well, you were you were my. My bestie. Yeah, from very, from very early on. So, so that, and that was in 2006. Which and does I think feel like a lifetime ago. And I think we can transition into what we want to talk about from there, because mm -hmm. as you remember, one of my favorite, you remember in the Mouseketeria. <laughs> yes. You know okay, where I'm going. So in the uh, Mouse, 
in the Mouseketeria, there was a subway, like a subway sandwich. Oh my god, I love the subway. I forgot about that. I completely forgot about that. That is literally what we had for lunch every day. Um, in those first, in those first few weeks, for sure, every day we had subway subway sandwich for lunch, and then you always went back and got ice cream for dessert because they well, had because they had a hard was ice it ice cream or was it cheesecake? I remember the cheesecake. You I've... and I think you told me I I forgot about the cheesecake. You told me later about the oh. cheesecake, and then I thought to myself, I remember because it didn't come in like a plastic oh. container, and it was it was a pretty big piece and i remember in yes. my head so this is where we're going and in my head i thought to myself no problem i can have a honking slice of cheesecake because i'm walking so much for right. work right yeah 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 oh yeah oh i'd forgotten about the cheesecake but yes it could have been ice I cream mean, easily but you i distinctly have a memory of you like having one of those styrofoam cups and it had like hard ice cream inside but Possible. i mean i Whatever it was, there was you always went back and got dessert. Did I go back or did I just get it the first time? <laughs> Maybe you got it the first time. Because <laughs> I know. I'd, why, why waste another trip? I'm going to be walking around the park all day and sweating. Yeah, I sweat I mean, out the cheesecake. <laughs> you know, heaven forbid you get more steps. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and so that's that's where I want to go with this conversation, yeah, right? Is that it. it's just interesting because how your mindset shifts, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me at that time, I thought I was walking a lot, and I don't. We were, and we were walking a lot. We were. But I but I wonder now where we've come from there. How many mm-hmm. steps we actually were getting back then? Because I wasn't what I wasn't wearing a step tracker. Now now I know. Now I can compare. Okay, well this is how many steps I typically get. This is how many steps I get in a day. And right. I could compare to back then. But I have no idea how many steps I was getting back so then. So my so when we first so we worked at the Magic Kingdom and we worked in outdoor foods, which meant that we worked with all of the popcorn and ice cream carts that are spread throughout the park. But the, of course, the the base of our location was in one spot. So you you had to walk back and forth from like the home base to wherever you were going, whatever was... cart you were going to, and then back to the base and then back to the cart. Now, initially, the job was you went to one of those carts and that's where you worked for your shift. I mean, we couldn't have done that many steps when we were doing that job. No, it wasn't many. I mean, right? yeah, in, the rea- you felt like a lot anyway, but it, in reality, it really wasn't because you stood was, most of the that's day. That's it. It was a lot of standing. And then the next, like, it was, I mean, it's not a promotion because it wasn't more money. It was but a like, stage. The, a stage. It, yeah, it was like the, the next level, like the next thing that you could be asked to do if you were a good worker. And I think if you were a certain gender or a certain body exactly. size, exactly. Um, they would ask you to be a stalker. And so those were the people that would bring cases of pop and water and juice and ice cream and there whatever was no juice was there there was pop and no. ice cream and powerade i'm sorry was there powerade yeah i probably yeah yeah because some of the wagons had coke products and some of the wagons had powerade but you talking about the nut wagons no <laughs> people don't care but splash ice cream the 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 cart that was near splash mountain only had powerade and it always that. And I remember it distinctly because it always had a really long line because that part of the park is very congested. And so Mm -hmm. people would be lined up because there were lots of people. And so people would be lined up to get their drink and then they would get there and they would want, inevitably they would want Coke or Sprite. And there was no Coke and Sprite at that particular cart. It was, and it was problematic. Anyway, when, when you were a stalker, you had to, or like we, we, we would go back and forth from home base to this cart back to home base to this cart and we were pushing dollies that were piled high with cases of pop and bag like 50 pound bags of ice yeah the ice was heavy so i mean when we when we did that job i'm sure we were getting a lot of steps but to your point probably not as many as we thought Although, we thought we were getting a, I thought we were getting a lot and we were yeah. getting a good amount of exercise but again in comparison to now where we've come i think we'd be surprised how Few. little it actually yes. was yeah yeah, yeah. I, think so. I, th- I think you're right I think you're right and and certainly I mean it's funny because this idea of oh I can eat this because I've done that 
like that way of thinking I think has been so ingrained in so many of us for so long like like even as a kid well I mean as a very young kid I was taught at school like the energy in energy out balance you know that if you eat this then you have to you know output this number of of calories you know in um you know by some sort of physical activity and so so this is the theory that we grow up believing that oh well I I can afford to overeat if I'm going to do a little bit of extra activity or if I'm doing more, you know, like, which we know now is not, it's a much more complicated, it's a much more complicated situation that actually occurs. So. Yeah. And I didn't, sorry. And I didn't mention why I want to be on beyond the weight and my connection with that. I guess Mm -hmm. I can talk briefly about that because again, that's where we want to go with this, Mm -hmm. you know, about our weight loss journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know exactly if we want to connect it to Disney or not, but we, well, I was always interested in being healthy, I guess, from, mm-hmm. well, I'll, I'll just tell you what happened. In fact, I'm not sure if you actually know this story. You probably okay. do, but I don't know. So this is what happened. So I was, yeah, 15 or 16 years old. Yeah. And I went to, uh, do you remember the story? I know the story, yeah. Yeah, I went this to a, a great camp. great story for the podcast. Okay. So I went to... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, and this is where, again, we want to go with this, but like I was young and I was growing up and I ate the food that I ate. And then I went to this camp and um, it was hot. We were outside and I, and this is not healthy, um, but I, it was so hot that I found it difficult to eat. So I would go to the cafeteria and there would be spaghetti and all these hot dishes and it, none of it appealed to me. And so I would drink stuff with calories in it, but I didn't eat a lot. And I just dropped, I, I don't, I shed a lot of weight in a week, mm-hmm. an unhealthy amount of weight. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize at the time, but after the week was over, my, you know, the leaders of my group, one of them, he said, he commented on that. He said, Oh, you've lost a lot of weight. And then, and then at some point it did dawn on me that I actually had lost some weight. And so I decided, I think it was at that point that I kind of decided I'm going to continue with this. Right. And I remember that was in 10th grade. And then when I remember there were these pictures of us from eighth grade in the, in the school and yeah, kids would comment on that. They would say things like, mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, not mean, not, not yeah. rude or anything, just, <laughs> just commenting, you know, like, yeah. wow, you've great job on the weight loss. And, and again, it wasn't something that I had set out to do, but once it had happened, I thought, this is where I want to go. And I think what happened over the years after that was I just kind of creeped up, creeped up, creeped up. And I put less emphasis on what I had learned to do, which was, you know, to exercise and, you know, make healthy choices in terms of food. And I just, yeah, my weight just increased. And at some point you were back on the, you know, WW Weight Watchers train and you recommended it to me and ever, and I haven't looked back. I've been doing it since basically. Yeah. Yeah, since I mean that 2015. I yeah, think. that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 2015. Yeah. And it was in Spain, and then it wasn't in Spain anymore, and then I had to get an American account to make sure I could still do it. And yeah. So <laughs> I've been through many iterations and changes of the company. So. Yeah. Yeah, and it's worked really well for me. But and that's what I want to talk about you with, like what I want to talk about with you. What? Yeah. Why? How did we get to this point? Why is it? Because we can talk about our struggles if you want to call it that. But, um, for me, it's just that it's, it's a constant, I don't want to exaggerate, but it is a bit of a constant battle, you know, Mm. should I have this? Can I have this? If I, you know, if I'm on vacation for three weeks, I have to get right back to it. If I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm going to regret it. Mm -hmm. Why, how do we end up to this Mm -hmm. at this point? What, what happened? Who, who do we blame? (laughs) well sandy would blame um advertisers and manufacturers for sure she loves to blame the the big companies which i think she's not 100 percent wrong in doing um yeah I, i i don't know i it's funny because i i just i for a long long time i just thought like that I really had, like, I struggled with this and I 
like was constantly gaining weight and needing to lose weight or wanting to lose weight and then gaining more weight. And, and like, and then I would look around and be like, no one else is having this issue. Like, why, why am I having this issue? And no one else is, but the, the older I get and the more people I see, the more I realize that I think maybe most people to a certain extent have a little bit of this, you know, like, like I think, I think it is more common than I ever realized. Mm. Not that anything, not that anyone's story is exactly the same, but I do think that like, especially when I hear you say, you know, like it was just like over the, over the course of time, like the weight just sort of creeped up, creeped up, creeped up. I think that is a very common story. And I guess the question is, you know, maybe some people, it doesn't, it's not bothersome to them that the weight creeps up and it just is what it is. Um, maybe some people notice that the weight is creeping up and they're able to remove the weight and then it's, it's, and then they're like back to square one. Whereas it never feels like back to square one, you know, like it, it always feels like, well, you know, I, I put in this effort and this work to remove weight, but then I have to continue to put in just as much effort and just as much work in order to maintain that weight loss, right? And and that's the part that I'm not sure, like, does everyone else experience that? I don't know. Well, I just, I guess in my mind, I you know, I don't know the history, but I'm pretty sure, let's say, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, people didn't have... I think it's fair to say that people didn't have this problem to this mm. extent. People keep talking about the obesity epidemic. Mm. Where did this come from? And and so this is, you know, doctors say what you need to do is eat a healthy diet, exercise, and you'll lose the weight. And mm. I think WW, that's the idea, and yeah. it's worked really well. But why is it such a struggle, and why, why wasn't it such a struggle for people in the past? Why... Mm. I just feel like they made less effort and just, and people yeah. say we move less and I think that's true. But then even yeah. when you start moving a lot, it doesn't seem to matter. It's almost as if, in my opinion, it's almost as if this is anecdotal, but it just feels like whatever happened when you were a child in terms of your eating patterns or what you ate and this, yeah, whatever you built when you were a kid is now stuck with you into adulthood. And now it's, you just have to deal with it because okay. there's no going back. I was thinking about this exact thing this morning because it's really, it, it all goes back to the nature nurture debate. And, and so in, in all sorts of different disciplines, nature nurture comes up all the time, but in education, we talk about it all the time about, you know, what is nature and what is nurture and, you know, what can be, shaped and developed and guided and controlled and what can't be, you know, and, 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 and I think this is a wide sweeping general statement that could be wrong, but I, I think it's true that in education, educators tend to rely and lean very heavily on the nurture side. I think for the most part, educators feel very strongly that the impact of the people around kids and in particular and authority figures can really make a difference and, and shape those children's lives. I fall very heavily on the nature side. I really feel like. But don't you think it's like diabetes in the sense that isn't it such that you have a genetic predisposition and then what happens is over time, yeah. if you're exposed to the correct things, then you develop it. But and so that's why, you know, in certain countries you have a bigger incidence because you have more people who are in that environment that creates it. And so I feel like obesity is something similar, that we're all yeah. kind of pre-genetically disposed more or to a more or less extent. Yes. But now you're in an environment where you have all this delicious yeah it just your your brain chemistry just kind of connects with the cheesecake to use yeah. an example yeah. and and back then you just didn't have this massive piece of cheesecake that's delicious and you want more of it so you just didn't have the opportunity to say want it or crave it because it didn't exist and so you didn't eat it and and I think it all goes back to that I think it goes back to 
your environment and these, yeah, I think these corporations have made an environment where mm. you can have these amazing things. And some people, well, and I can speak yeah. to my, my experience in Spain. Yeah. Right. Because frankly, Spain doesn't have the same issue right. yet, yeah. but we're getting there. Right. And I think part of the reason is because the environment was very different. The, you know, it was culturally, economically different from the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't have as much industry making food or Burger King or McDonald's or anything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they relied more on Whole Foods back in mm-hmm. the past. And now it's changing. But I think, yeah, frankly, I think a lot of people in Spain now who are adults and are healthy weights grew up more in a Whole Foods environment. Yeah. And you and I, frankly, didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but I think the key, I think the key to that, which I really, I, I like, I really like that analogy is that it's, yes, it's the environment and it's the societal influence and pressures and, and availability of food and type of food and, and all of that, that absolutely plays a huge role. But then also there's a piece where some of us are predisposed to being, uh, well, predisposed to obesity, I guess, but, or predisposed to, you know, having certain cravings or predisposed to, you know, uh, addiction. Yeah. Right. Like whatever it might be. Like, I think some of us, there is something in our physiolo in our physiological makeup that, you know, makes us more likely to make a certain choice or it makes our body more likely to react a certain way to the foods that we consume. You know, like it, it, it's got, it's gotta be, it's, there's gotta be something that is more than just our behavior and more than just our discipline. So that's my question to you. Um, because you've, you've spoken to this before you're up, down, up, down, up, down, Mm. you know, for a little bit, you're, let's say off the wagon and then you get back Mm, on and you have mm. to get back on. So my question to you is in the best way that you can describe and explain, Mm. why is it such a struggle? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is my question. Sorry. Let me, let me focus. Let me focus my question because I'm I'm very serious about this because this is something I discussed before with, you know, with my partner. Um, you know, so the question is, I don't – well, just tell me. I'll just ask you. I, I'm, I'm not yeah, going to tell ask, you what I think. Ask. Do you think there's some relationship between falling off the wagon and something else? For example, are you anxious? Are you stressed? I know – I feel like it has something to do with that, but is it actually related or is it more just one day you don't know why? What, do you think it's related to something? This is a, that's a good question because I have – thought a lot about it especially because um you know every because because in the in the in the recent past the like wild eating and gains and then like turning myself around you know starting to eat better and then and then losing weight again like that that cycle has happened it's it's been a shorter cycle and so it's happened more frequently in the past let's say five years right and so I've thought about that a lot to see like is there something that like is connected that I could like find a pattern I I don't I don't know if there's something in particular. I mean, is it is it something particularly stressful going on? I mean, maybe, but then like life in general is very stressful, you know, like and and so I I don't think that I could like distinctly put it like link it to that. Um I think what would be more accurate to say is that what will happen is everything is going along swimmingly and I'm eating well and I'm feeling great and my weight is at a level that I'm comfortable with and um and you know life is great on the on the on the WW front you know and then one day will happen that I'll eat a huge amount of something, 
whether that is, you know, an entire package of like bakery style cookies or like that's actually probably the thing. Um, and then that happens and then it's like it's caught me and I just and then I, I just can't fl like flip myself back from it. Like I it's there's something about like when one thing goes terribly wrong and, it, and that's a poor way of, of describing it because I would if I were talking to someone else, I would say, well, it's not wrong. Like it's not about right or wrong, but it, it feels to me that I've done something terribly wrong. And then it becomes this cycle of then, you know, three days later, I do it again. And then, you know, two days later, I do it again. And then the next day I do it again. And then every day I'm doing whatever I'm doing, you know, and because then what will happen is then I start playing games with myself and I'll start like saying like, oh, like, you know, my clothes still fit. Like I must not be gaining weight, even though I know that I'm gaining weight, you know, and I'll be like, oh, like no one has said anything to me. Like it must not be noticeable, even though I know it's noticeable. You're like, so it takes a long time before I, I can actually be like, okay, like you're not fooling anyone. You're no longer fooling yourself. Like what is, what are you going to do about this? But it, it's hard for me to like get out of that weird like binge eating cycle because that's always what it is. And I thought that I, I thought that I had it. Like I had a, 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 a moment where like I'd had a couple of days of binging and then it was like right away, like back to healthy things. And I thought, okay, that's great. Like I, 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 I got it in like, you know, three days as opposed to three months, but then, but then I, I didn't like, and, and so, and so I guess, what is it that caused me to take that food in the first place? I mean, well, I think I think that's not so important for me because it, it's circumstance. It's so, yeah, exactly. I, I have that experience myself. The difference, I think, between me and you, apparently, because I'm that's why I'm trying to ask you about this yeah. to see what where we differ. For me, I, I feel it's much easier to get just right back into it. I, I know full well that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I just get back into it. But as you say, it's as if you're just in this cycle, you're locked back into the cycle that you can't seem to break out of. And so my question now, so I have two routes and I want to ask you the first route that okay. you're not expecting, but okay. that's why we're doing the pod. That's why. So the question is that, how, how do you overcome this? Because frankly, I think it's exhausting for you. Hmm. And for me and for everyone, I guess that's my point. The, mm. the point is we all to a more or less extent, you know, those of us who are doing WW, I think it's, it's, a, it's work. So what can we do about it? And in your case, I'm going to propose two options, two solutions, and you tell me what you think of the two. Okay. Would you like me to tell you what got me back on track the last two times before you offer me your suggestions or no? Sure. Okay. So the last, the, the last time that I'd gained weight was just like from like November of last year until March of this year. And then when I saw the pictures from, well, I knew even before the pictures, I knew when I was getting ready to go to Peru and I was like, I don't have clothes that I feel good in. I don't have clothes that fit really well. And so I went and bought new clothes for the trip. And then I saw the pictures and I just hated them. So I already knew that I'd been gaining weight. I already knew that I needed to do like that. I, that I wasn't comfortable. I already knew that I wanted to lose weight, um, to feel better, but it was like, it's that, it's that mind game where I just tell myself that it's okay. You know, like it's, it's, I know that I don't feel good, but also I pretend that it's fine and that, nothing is out of control and nothing is a problem and you know like just keep doing what you're doing and it will be it will be fine even though it's not right but then when you have physical proof or physical evidence that something is not what you want it to be then you can't you can't make that you know you can't play around with that anymore anyway so that was I was like all right well I gotta I really feel motivated now to do something and so and so since then um i've been like feeling really great eating really well taking off maybe 
half of the weight that I'd like to remove, working on the other half. Um, so that's been good. The time before that, it was the same pattern as far as the like cycle of binge eating, same um, situ like same sort of situation around the food. And then um, we were organizing to get professionally like photographs taken professionally for my mom for her 65th birthday. And then we set the date for those photos. Mm-hmm. And I thought I cannot be this size in those photos. Like I, I will be so unhappy with the photos. I'll be unhappy with what I look like. These photos are going to be like, because they're like professionally done and they will be like, she's going to print them and frame them and hang them on the wall. And like, and I thought I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't bear the idea of being in the body that I was because, because I wasn't happy there. And, and so I was like, all right, like I have to get motivated. I have to do this. And, and, and I did, and it was great. And, and the pictures are lovely and I'm thrilled with them. So, so it's, it's in both cases, the last two times it's been related to photos, but in a different way. Okay. So my first solution I think could be maybe kind of related actually, because yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. It's, and, and I knew this and I'm glad you told me (laughs) directly in this way. Um, yeah, that you're, I think it's psychological is what I'm saying. And I, yeah, right. You, you hide it, you pretend it's not a problem and then you're confronted with reality and now you're shocked back into yeah. your regular routine, the routine yeah. you want to have because Correct. you can't escape anymore because it's so blatantly not the way you've been pretending this whole time. Correct. So that's my possibility. Number one, do you think therapy would be a solution? Because what I think maybe you need from what you've been telling me is you need either we could schedule a photo or vacation or something unique where you're going to be in pictures every couple months, every three months, every six months. So that you have to be on board all the time. Yeah. 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 Holding you accountable in that way. We could do that, but I feel like that's maybe a superficial solution. Maybe Mm. what you really need Mm. is to work your way out of that without the need to be in a photo, for example, memorialized on the wall or something. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? It's an avenue that I haven't pursued before. Pursued or thought about? Mm. Or both, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's something that has been mentioned to me before as maybe this is something you might consider. And I just said, no. <laughs> okay. So, why, did, why did you say no? Um, I don't know. You I, feel you can take care of this yourself. It's not that I feel that I can. That it's you I should. Feel that I should have like that. But I should, that's be, not, but not that's that not I should, fair. that I should be able to. Yeah, but you know but, that's not the, fair. If I you know, were anybody else, you wouldn't I say know. that. I know, I know, I know. Okay. So, but it is something. The more, the more that um, like that that I have this podcast, and the more that I talk with you, and the more that I think about my relationship to food in general, the more I think like it's. I mean, there's definitely something going on there. I mean, it, so it's 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 something I have to consider looking into, I think. Therapy, well, I mean. and I'm just going to come out and say it, but I was discussing this, you know, prior to the podcast, what we would mm-hmm. talk about and what kinds of things I could bring up. And, you know, I have another friend who struggles with her weight and she has recently been diagnosed with anxiety and she's taking medicine for it. And mm-hmm. and I don't know, he was kind of just comparing it maybe to you saying, maybe it's that, maybe her life is very stressful. Maybe she's anxious, you know, maybe she go to therapy, work through anxiety and that would help. Mm. And I just, and I'm just going to come out and say it and say, I don't buy that. I've never heard that. I've never heard you go to therapy, you, you know, work through your anxiety and now suddenly you're dropping the pounds. I've never heard of that. No. And I think in the case of me, like that's not it. I think that it would be worthwhile for me to, consider or to look into talking to someone who would help me like figure out what is happening with 
my like with the way that I think about food and the way that I I don't want to say the way that I eat in general, but the 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 way that I eat poorly when I'm eating poorly. Like it's because I don't think it's I, I'm with you. Like I I don't for me, I think for some people maybe it is, but for me, I don't think it's a case of like work through anxiety and then all of a sudden the the food issues uh you know melt away. Because I, I don't think that's the root of it for me. I think I think it's like it's the food issues that, that I need to deal with. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and, and I don't think, I don't know what that's related to. I don't know if it's just, um, I mean, I think maybe, I think anxiety is a really wide term. So maybe like someone is listening and they're being like, okay, but you're going to, I'm about to say like, it's something maybe to do with control and someone's going to say control, that's anxiety. So, I mean, maybe it is a little bit related to it's under that umbrella, but it does feel like a control issue for me. Like it does feel like a perfectionistic tendency. Yeah, it because yeah, it it has to be because it, it it's something to do with this like all or nothing situation, right? Like it's I'm I'm not going to, you know, have a cookie and then, you know, spiral into a whole bunch of binge eating. Like it that's not gonna happen. I I'm not interested in having the cookie. But what I will do is eat 24 of them. And then that will, you know what I mean? Like, and so there's something there, like there's something in, in that behavior because that's not a, it's not a typical behavior. Right. So I don't know. I think at the very least, um, maybe talking to someone, as you say, can give you the accountability maybe you need, Mm -hmm. meaning, I don't know, at least maybe if you're in a space where you feel you can talk about it. Cause I think that's part of the problem is you don't bring it up. I mean, even for me, you don't tell me even, mm-hmm. you know, even when you, I, well, I, I can't speak to your experience, but I kind of get the impression that, yeah, that you, I don't know if you're lying to yourself and to me, Well, you're not even lying to me cause I'm not mm-hmm. asking. The point is you don't bring it up and no. you kind of keep it from me as well. As so I wonder if you're in a space where that's why you're there it's harder to escape it because that's yeah. the whole reason you're there and yeah. you could be held accountable in the moment and, and you can't hide from it so easily because you're yeah. required to bring it up maybe yeah. because yeah. I think that's the thing is you, you just kind of shove it to the side and you just pretend like it's not a problem and, and nobody's, yeah, I'm not about, you know, as your friend, I'm not about to say, give me a, your weekly weight report. What's mm-hmm. going on with you? I, I just, well, maybe I should, Yeah. maybe I would be a better friend if I did. So, um, mm. so it is something you've thought about. Um, mm. or been, well, some people have mentioned it to you mm. and now the, about the articles that we've read, mm. which was about Ozempic. Yeah. Do you want to just briefly speak about that? Yeah. I mean, so there was an article, I'm just looking for a second to see where it came from the Washington post that exactly. uh, Ruth that Marcus that you sent me and the article is called I lost 40 pounds on Ozempic but I'm left with even more questions yeah. and it's a it's an opinion article it's it's very well written very interesting and I think she does a really good job of um, walking you through like her own reason for inquiring about Ozempic and then for trying it and then also, but also being critical of it, being cautious about it, and giving some statistics about you know what has been found, uh, what sort of research is backing the the drug, and also what research is lacking, right? What what's missing? So it's if you're interested in um, in in looking closer into or like in having another opinion I guess and looking closer into this it, it I would recommend the article for sure I'll put the link in the show notes but she so she was just finding that she was unable to remove any weight and you know was trying all sorts of different things and nothing was working and and so she approached her doctor about starting on Ozempic to as a as a weight loss drug not as a uh as a drug used to help with other, um, with other, with other, uh, diseases. So, I mean, in Canada, uh, 
my understanding is that Ozempic is being used to help treat patients with type 2 diabetes. Um, and it's just, my understanding is that it's just starting to be used as a weight loss a sister is that even a word assist <laughs> uh, weight loss okay. assist um, okay. with with a with a with a small margin of people so i think they're looking particularly at people who are in the like pre-diabetic stage so as a as a preventative you know method to uh uh, before people become diabetic to try and to stave that off by um, monitor or by, you know, helping with the, the blood sugar levels and, and losing weight and those sorts of things. So I'm not sure to what extent in Canada it's being used simply for weight loss, although I do know that, that it has begun. Um, certainly in the States, it sounds like it's a relatively, it's becoming more and more common. Yeah. And I mean, there what was interesting about the article, because this is something that I didn't realize, was that they talk about what the medication actually does and like how they think that it's actually impacting people's weight loss. And and the real thing that it, they say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that it is, it's not an appetite suppressant so much, but it's sort of like a, it has something to do with your, your satiety. satiety. Yeah, and so it helps people to recognize when they're full. Well, and I, but okay, so let's let's all I'll, I'll yeah. jump in here. I don't know if I sent you this article, but there was an article about food noise. Did you? Yes, 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 yes. I sent I it to it. you. Yeah. It. So okay, so that's it. It's that. It's really interesting because basically, yeah, it's it's basically that. It's not even that. I think it's not even often that you recognize that you're full. It's just that you don't have like all those kind of cravings you have. And so that this concept of food noise that I just learned was this, this idea that you're like constantly thinking about food. It's always on your mind. Like when's the next meal? I'm hungry. Am I hungry? Am I not hungry? Can I mm -hmm. afford to eat this? Whatever. Mm -hmm. Food is constantly on your mind. And I think, is that true for you? Do you, would you say you have food noise? I was thinking about that when I was reading the article and I'm going to say, I think a little bit, but I think not I'm going to call you out and I'm going to say yes, because, <laughs> because in comparison to me, I, I, I well, I'm just going to compare you to myself. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I, you know, I'm on WW. I, I don't find it easy to be thin all the time. I mm -hmm. it's, it's work for me. Um, but I do find that you are often discussing food and you're ready with food. You have food. You have your chicken purse, your purse chicken, sorry. <laughs> you have you have food on hand. And, and you've mentioned this on the podcast as well. You're going there. You need to make sure you know where you're going to eat and all this kind of stuff. I just mm -hmm. don't even to, to – yeah. like just not to that extent. Like I don't worry yeah. so much about where I'm going to eat, when I'm going to eat, how am I going to eat, yeah. when's the next meal. Yeah. And so, well, it's, I, I, you know, it, it, everything, like everything, I think it's on a spectrum. And so I think your yeah. food noise, it's noisier than I it is so. me. Yeah. yeah. And so that's my question. And that's where we're going here. Do you, would you consider taking something like Ozempic to make the struggle not such a struggle? Yeah. I've, I mean, I've thought a lot about it. I've thought I, a lot about it. So I have, I have people in my family who are who are, who have type two diabetes. I have a significant family history of type two diabetes and there are anyone, two people, are there, okay. There are people taking Ozempic in your Yeah. Life. There are two, two people in my family who take Ozempic mm -hmm. and who have started taking Ozempic in the last year to help with their diabetes. It also has translated into weight loss for both of them. There's a part of me, I, I, there's a part of me that thinks like if it could help with, if it could help, then why wouldn't you do it? You know, like if, if it could help me, then, and if it could make, if it could make life a little simpler, then, you know, it, it would be worth it. But then there's the other part of me that's like, okay, but is it necessary? Like, well, what would constitute necessary for you? I don't know. 
at, at just, what point? At, at what point? Yeah, I guess yeah. that's my only question. That, well, that's the question. At what point? At what point do you say, like? I think. I, I mean, I know I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I feel like a doctor would not recommend it to be used in this way. But I wonder if, for someone like you, there may be a possibility of when you find yourself in this cycle, mm. you start taking it. Because yeah. then you won't be so tempted to to fall off. You you, you yeah. th those donuts, those cookies just don't look appealing anymore yeah. just because of this drug. And I feel like maybe that could push you back out because yeah. you are able to do what you need to do. But then you get into the cycle, and I wonder if the drug could help push you out of that. Yeah, I don't. Well, I mean, you'd I'd have to know more about it. But my understanding is that it's not something that you like take. Go on, and go don't off, take. go on. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So and so that's and so that of course is the the biggest hesitance, is that you know it's something that if you're if it's an avenue that you're going to pursue, it's something that you're committing to for for the long term. Yeah. Right. And so, am I at a point? yet where I want to commit to something like that long term. I don't think I'm there yet, but I'm not ruling like I'm not ruling it out as a possibility for sure. It it is a conversation to have and it's things to think about. And and I think to to like to ask the question like, well at what point will it be? Like I think those are the things to think about. Like it's easy to say, you know, not today, not yet. but like when yeah yeah when right like do you have an end game or you're just going to continue to say not yet right so so i mean i i think those are things that i need to consider because yeah because i have much less experience with this than you do but but i have some experience in the sense that and this is another article we read the the binging at night mm -hmm. the late night binging mm -hmm. and you and sandy have discussed this as well on the podcast so it's mm -hmm. not you know it's something that you, you two are familiar with, but it's something that I, when I'm on WW, I'm following the plan, I suppose, because, you know, I'm running a calorie deficit, I wake up in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, like a zombie, mm -hmm. and just this weird haze that I can't seem to control. I even, like, it's, it's weird because I'm even consciously thinking in the moment, oh, I don't want to do this, and yet yeah. somehow I'm not able to pushed through it. I don't know if it's because I'm half asleep, if it's because I don't know what it is about the middle of the night, but like a, yeah, like a zombie, I'm, I'm watching myself do something that I don't want to do, eat something. And, and, and I can't say it's late night binging because I, it's not, it's not to the extent that it's binging. It's, it wouldn't be fair for me to call it binging, but it right. is something that I don't want to do. Like I don't want yeah. this food. And as you know, and I'm not sure if I talked about on the podcast, I don't think I did, but you know, I put all the stuff that I want to be able to control in a box that's locked that I don't have the combination to, to avoid yeah. eating yeah. stuff like this. And, yeah. but then, you know, summer's here and now the ice cream is in the freezer and there's no lock box for that. And right. so I have to be careful. But then the good thing about the ice cream is it's very, very frozen. And so it's hard to like chisel it out. And so <laughs> right. I'm able to come out of the haze, right? I'm able to come out of the haze before I've had too much, but then you track it because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you think, oh my God, it's probably easily 12 points that I right. ate in the middle of the night and I right. have 25 a day. You know, that was not my plan. And so, yeah, it's really frustrating. So so I guess what I'm saying to you is to an extent, I understand that. Like I understand the struggle in that regard because it's just it just feels out of your control and then you can take back control mm -hmm. with this drug perhaps. Yeah. And I, I agree yeah. with you completely. I'm 100% behind you. I, I completely agree with you. If it were me, if you were asking me, I would say the exact same thing. I would say, I'm not sure I want to make this my long-term solution. But then I also understand that it's it's so frustrating to feel out of control. And then what do you do about it? That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? But again, why – and then going back to where we started, whose fault is this? Meaning why must we struggle with this into our adulthood? Mm. And I think Sandy has a point. I think that yeah. corporations have made a lot of money and have destroyed the health of millions. And I don't think they have owned up to it. And I don't think they recognize it. And I don't think yeah. they're doing enough to fix it because, of course, yeah. it's big money to get you to buy food. And you like to buy lots of food when it's very delicious. And here's, <laughs> our, here's our problem. And this is where we are. And again, I think it's too late for us. I think as an adult, we have to live with this 
struggle, if you want to call it that. But with kids, I guess I would want something better for them. Yeah. You know, what can we do to make sure that they have a healthy childhood so that when they get into adulthood, they can just kind of keep going with that rather than be someone who has to constantly be struggling against it or mm-hmm. pushing themselves back to a weight that they're comfortable with, mm-hmm. you know? Because I do think that I think we, we you've talked about this on the podcast. I think this idea of a set point that, you know, you're at a certain weight and then when you try to lose weight, your body pushes you back to that point. But if you've yeah. grown up with a, say, quote unquote, healthy set point where you're a healthy weight, then if you start to gain weight in adulthood, at least your body will be kind of trying to push you back down because that was your set point. Right. Whereas with you and me, I think it's a complete opposite. Our adulthood is now confined to this higher set point that our body is always trying to push us back to and Mm -hmm. we just keep having to push it and you know i've talked to you about this about me that uh, i don't know if this is your experience i don't think so you've never said this to me but i i notice it in my body because i think i think this is it's fair to say again i'm not a doctor but you know why are my hands so cold in winter because of that because my body is trying to push me back to where i was and it's you know, I, I don't want to exaggerate and say it's in starvation mode, but to some extent, I think that's true. Mm. And that's why I wake up in the middle of the night to eat food <laughs> like a zombie because my body says, why are you eating so few calories? Why are you eating yeah. all vegetables that you didn't have a Snickers bar today? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So two things relate, like two, unre- two things related to what you just said, but unrelated to one another. So okay. one, I used to always like have something significant to eat right before bed because I was worried. And I guess this is you calling me out on the food noise. I was worried that I was going to wake up if I didn't eat something right before I went to bed, that I would wake up in the middle of the night hungry. And it doesn't help me. And so I always would eat something right before, and it would be something substantial. Like it would be like, um, like a, a Friday on toast, or it would be like a bowl of like yogurts with fruit, yogurt with fruit or cottage cheese with fruit, or like it would be something substantial. Anyway, um, last year about a, yeah, about a year ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to change up the way that I'm eating. I'm going to like infuse a few more calories during the day, but I'm not going to eat right before I go to bed. And like in the last well, in the last year, with the exception of, you know, let's say, let's say in eight months of the last year, um, I did that. I, I did not eat anything right before I went to bed. I, supper was my last, like, whatever it was I had for supper. That was the last thing that I ate. And I could count on one hand the number of times that I went to bed and thought, ooh, I really wish I were eating something right now. That's it. Mm-hmm. All those other nights, I just went to bed and I had my night's sleep. And most mornings, I wake up in the morning and I'm ready for something to eat. Like most mornings, I'm hungry in the morning, but I have not eaten in the middle of the night. Well, and like, you know this about me, where I thought I should try this intermittent fasting thing. And so I would not eat breakfast in the morning. Because I usually would. I'd have breakfast, lunch, dinner, but then I also eat in the middle of the night. And then I realized I should, well, you told me, you know, make a rule for yourself. Don't eat in the middle of the night. That didn't work for me for yeah. whatever reason. So I did this intermittent fasting thing. And it was incredible how just out of nowhere I was able to not eat in the middle of the night and not eat breakfast and somehow not be starving by lunch. I, I don't know how that happened. Yeah. I've gotten out of that routine and now I'm eating in the middle of the night again. Interesting. Yeah, it's very strange. So, yeah. so I feel like maybe I need to get back to it, but because just because of that, because I because yeah. I don't want to eat in the middle of the night, mm. and the only way I was able to do that successfully was by not eating and for that period of time, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You said you had two unrelated things. What yeah, was your so, other unrelated? So thing? the other thing was because you were talking about the set point. So, and you said that you feel it in your body and I thought I knew where you were going and then you went somewhere else. So, so here's what I will tell you. Okay. Every single time that I like hit that moment where I was like, okay, this is the final straw. I, I need to do something. I need to feel better. I need to lose weight. It's been like at the same number. Or like around the same number. So here's what I mean. So the, but that number has shifted. So, so, so 
the three different times that I signed up for Weight Watchers um, in my life, all three of those times I was like within 10 pounds of, of themselves. So like, and just over 300 pounds each of those times. So it was like, you got like, I, my body got to a certain weight and all of a sudden it was no longer sustainable. Like it was no longer manageable for me to exist in that body. The last two times now that I've gained weight, the first time through the, like through the beginning of the pandemic. And then like last spring when I finally like got my head in the game and to, to, you know, to, to do something about it. And then now again from November until March, and then, you know, uh, got myself organized again. It was like within one pound, the same number, both of those times, like maybe my set point, I'm hoping fingers crossed has shifted down a little bit that like, I now think that's I, I don't have to get up to the number that I was before because it's about, it's about 60 pounds less than that. So, I mean, that's, wow. it's significant. Um, but like, it's still 40 pounds more than what feels good on my body. You know, yeah, like, that, that's the, and it's the same with me too. I would say that I hope this is also true and no scientific evidence to tell we didn't do any study on me, but <laughs> right. But I agree with you. I think my set point is also lower than it was, but still higher than I would like it to be. Correct. That's, Correct. And I don't, yeah, well, and and so and so it's and you know this full well. You you come to a point in your weight loss journey that it's like you feel like you're hitting a wall or you're plateauing or whatever you want to call it, where you just don't seem to be able to go any further. It's like your body just says this is not going to happen. And now I'm toying with, and this is something I haven't told you, so this is a big reveal. Okay, on the podcast. On the podcast. <laughs> it's an exclusive. You, you heard it here first. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, so now I have been trying to get back into it, but kind of tired of plateauing to say it like that. And yeah. so I've, yeah, taken the program to a new height where I'm like, all right, it's not enough to, well, I'll just tell you. So yeah, you know you how think? you have the four rollover points that you can roll over. I never count those. Like I don't, I don't add them to my number. I don't want to see that as numbers that I can, can use, but, but you have those rollovers. And so, you know, let's say Monday to Wednesday, Monday to Thursday of the week, I would, you know, have my little routine and I would have my four rollover points, even though I didn't count them, but I had, but I stored them, you know, for backup, mm -hmm. let's say. And then, but then I thought that's not enough. Let's make it eight. So, because that was the limit of your healthy, for me, that was my limit of my in, healthy you, blue dot. Right. In your healthy eating zone. Okay. Right. But now I'm like, nope, got to keep going, keep going. I got, I, and so this is where I'm going, where the plan again, for me at least has kind of hit this wall. And so I said, what, what can I do? What can I change in order to push myself to the next stage? And so instead of doing eight points, 12. And, and part of the reason I started to do that was because I thought, well, if I wake up in the middle of the night, and have something, I have a buffer. But then ironically that night I didn't get up in the middle of the night to have anything. Right. So I thought, well, perfect. Just store those for the weekend. But not, not that I'm counting them to, to use for the weekend, but do you know what I mean? I just, and I know that's not the way you're supposed to kind of do it, yeah. but that's what I've been doing to try to push and, myself. And so, more. okay. So by doing that, how has what you're eating changed? Less junk. That, and that's the thing, right? Like it's, it's not really about the point. Like, I mean, I, I know that the strategy is working with the points, but it's not really about the points. You're right. It's, it's a, about, it's about the food that you're choosing. Yeah. But the problem is you know, you eat oatmeal, you eat nuts, you eat these healthy foods. Mm -hmm. But some of these healthy foods, you know, avocado, for example, guacamole or whatever it may be, um, they may be healthy things that you should incorporate into your diet, but then they are calorie dense. Mm -hmm. I'm always cognizant of those things as well. You know, mm -hmm. so you have to, I don't know, it's, well, it's what you always say on the podcast, the two of you, that it's always, a you learn, you keep adjusting, and you you just got to refine your system until it works mm -hmm. and you get to where you need to be and then you follow through. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, well, we'll see. We'll see. Cause I, I can't tell you, I haven't been doing it long enough to see yeah. if it has any effect. Yeah. But. yeah. I mean, it's, some of it is just changing it up, right? Like sometimes your body is just, it's almost like it gets lulled into a 
a sense of normalcy and routine and it's like oh this is what you're gonna do okay then i will just stay like this you know and so so. and so you have to do something different you know eat something different eat and in a different pattern like eat at different times eat different amounts like whatever it might be like just to sort of like keep your almost like you need to keep your body on its toes right something like that yeah yeah Yeah. i'll put all three of the articles that we mentioned new york times the most common eating disorder in the u.s is also the least understood and then another one the new york times people on drugs like ozempic say their food noise has disappeared you said you read that as well yeah yeah and then, and then Ruth the Washington Marcus. Post article. Well, Tim, thanks for coming in and uh, stepping in to be my co-host today. And for it was so much fun, the, as always. In the hot seat. Always, always, <laughs> always a pleasure to talk to you. But yes, yeah, it's it's. Well, I think that's what the podcast is about, right? To discuss the journey, and it's always a journey, and it just keeps on going mm-hmm. for both of us. We all have our journeys, and we can all yeah. help each other, and that's yeah. the point. Yeah, that's it. That's why we're here. Well, thank you so much. I love you. And I love you. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Right, bye.